I was sitting down there thinking when um, Moses first saw God. He was in the backside of the desert and he was shoveling sheep muck. <laughs> what a thought. Trust you'll have the cream of the speakers over the next few weeks. You've got to put up with me today. <laughs> but think about it. It was in the desert. He was shoveling sheep muck. And suddenly there was a fire burning. That might not be very unusual in a desert. Especially when you think of all the fires that are going on in Australian places like this, but it didn't consume and he was drawn to it and then God spoke to him out of the fire. He wanted to see God. I'm not sure how old he was, somebody will probably, it was at least 40 because he spent 40 years in the desert before he went back into the king's palace to release the people when God told him to, but he was probably 60 or 70 years old and he'd never actually seen God. And I can't see you at the moment because I've got my glasses on for reading. <laughs> but you know, sight is so important and if I was to call this message today a title, it would be called Recovery of Sight. Think about it. In the Bible, the glory of God, the face of God, and the presence of God are all the same. You remember when they saw the glory of God going through the desert, there was the cloud and the fire and the surrounding um, civilization could see the people of God and God were leading them. And I believe here in this place, the people out here in Stanmore and Badger Farm and, and all around Winchester can see the glory of God, or should do. And in your lives, if you know Jesus, they should see Christ in you. The Bible says the hope of glory. Now, <laughs> I was talking with Babs, my wife, in bed this morning, <laughs> and I asked her if she remembered a little boy I made about so tall for Sunday school and children's work. The idea of it, and I couldn't think of his name, I think it was possibly Sparky or something like this. The whole point of making him um, was that we could look inside of his head, we could get out the thoughts in his head. And the idea was, I was trying to get the children to understand what you think has a bearing on you as an individual. What you see, what you think, and we used to change all the thinking in Sparky's head. And then we looked at his heart, and in the same way, the heart tells you what kind of person a person is. It says it's not what goes into the life or what goes through the mouth defiles you, it's what comes out of a person. It comes from the heart. So people at work will listen to what you say, they will watch you, and they will know that you are a child of God by what you do and by what you say. Now, a few weeks ago, well, it was two weeks ago, wasn't it? 
I read a scripture, and you can turn to it if you like. It's in Isaiah 61. And what it says is this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to send me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive, and release from darkness of the prisoner, and to proclaim the year of the Lord. Now if you remember, I mentioned that Jesus had, in the New Testament had gone into the temple or gone into the synagogue, picked up the scroll and read that and then he went and sat down. And then if you remember, I spoke two weeks ago about knowing God. When Paul went to Athens, Paul looked around and he saw idols for everything. And one in particular drew his attention because it was to an unknown God, an unknown God. And he said, I've come to tell you about an unknown God. And I trust that by the time I'd finished, you at least knew who God was and he became known to you. Now, I want to talk about sight this morning, about seeing, about being able to see Paul tells us that the God of this age, the God of this world, will blind the minds of the unbeliever to the gospel. Now, I don't know if you're an unbeliever here this morning, the enemy will do anything and everything to stop you understanding the word of God, of receiving the gospel. That means that if you don't know Jesus, you do need to know him. On the other hand, if you do know him and you're not telling other people, then the enemy is not interested in you. You should have an easy life. You're sitting there saying, you've got to be joking. I'm having a difficult life. It's not been easy. It's been a struggle at times. And perhaps you're even afraid to speak to people about Jesus. The very last words of Jesus was to go and tell other people, to share the good news. He told the shepherds that, or at least the angels said, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which is to all people. Go and tell the people what you see. And that's what they did. Just ordinary guys telling people about Jesus. But the moment you decide to do that, you'll have a battle because the enemy won't like it. So if you've been faithful this week and you've been talking to people about Jesus, you've been through the battle, I know. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said, because he's anointed me to preach good news, to send me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight to the blind, and release the oppressed and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I want you to think about those things because if you don't remember anything else, you've actually got the message this morning. Recovery of sight. People are blind to the gospel. And the enemy is doing his best to stop them finding out. You remember there was a man called Bartimaeus. He was a beggar and he was blind. And he was sitting with his begging cloak, crying out to God. 
And when the people heard him shouting out Jesus, he knew that Jesus was passing that way and he was blind, he couldn't see him, but he'd heard all the good things he'd done. And because he was blind, he wanted to see. And so he shouted, and the louder he shouted, the more the people said, shh, be quiet. He can't be bothered with you. People will say that to you when you start telling them about Jesus. Shh, be quiet. We don't want to know. But he only shouted more. And Jesus said, come. Come to me. So they all changed their mind. They said, come on, be of good cheer. He's calling you. Go and find him. And he stood right in front of Jesus and he was blind. He had a begging cloak which he'd thrown away. And Jesus didn't say, I can see that you're blind. He asked him, what do you want? What do you want me to do? You could have said, it's obvious, isn't it? <laughs> what do you want me to do? And he said, I want to see. Very simple. And then the miracle happened. Now, I want you to imagine, I want all of you to close your eyes. Now, you can't see anything, can you? Although you can see images. <laughs> the last thing that you saw was probably me, and you've got me in your thoughts now, and in your eyes. But you can't see a thing. Imagine walking around blind. Now, I take my glasses off, I can see you all now, <laughs> because these are for reading. But if you couldn't see, and you heard that Jesus was there, and he healed the sick and the blind, You'd be like Bartimaeus. You'd come to him and you'd say, Lord, I want to see. Moses wanted to see the glory of God and God said, sorry, mate, you can't. It will kill you. I want to see God. And so God's back... You've still got your eyes closed, I trust you. <laughs> the back of, Jesus, uh, of God passed by Moses. And when he came down... His face shone, and it was so much the people had to place, if you like, a covering over his head, because the glory, the face of God, the presence of God was so evident on his face, and that's how we should be when we meet people and speak to them about Jesus. Hallelujah, that's great, isn't it? You don't agree. <laughs> Excellent. Think about it. An ophthalmologist is a physician who specializes in the treatment of eyes. Let me read John 14. You know this, it's read a lot at funerals. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And he goes on to say, Jesus is saying, I'm going to prepare a place for you in heaven. But then he says, where I am, you know the way to the place where I am going. Verse 4. Thomas, one of the twelve, said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And in verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now listen, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you know my Father as well. 
from now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Now, as I said, two weeks ago, I talked about knowing God. It's seeing him. Philip said, show us the Father. And that will be enough for us. And in verse 9, Jesus said, do you know me, Philip? Even after such a long time I've been with you, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Don't you believe that I and the Father are one? And it goes on to explain. You see, Philip and Thomas, they were with Jesus and they wanted to see God. And he was there in their midst. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, the ophthalmologist is someone who, there's three things. So you can write these down if you want. <laughs> these are three things when you get to your life crew, and I've got three points coming up. But the ophthalmologist, he seeks to prevent disease that afflicts the eyes, and two, he seeks to eliminate disease that will destroy one's eyesight. And thirdly, he seeks to improve the ability of patients to see. There are times when surgery, or by surgery, he is the means of recovering sight. Now there's a story told of a man who came to a doctor on, in China on a mission station. The man was blind and he came to the doctor and he asked the doctor to heal him. The doctor realised he'd got cataracts and he decided to operate on this guy and after many weeks he took off the covering of his eyes and the man was able to see. Now you can open your eyes. You've all got them open now, haven't you? Now I want you to think about it, right? He'd come to the doctor. He said, I want to be able to see the doctor. And then, through surgery, it enabled him to see. The guy then left. Now again, I want you to use your imagination. I'm sure you've seen children in a crocodile. Imagine a long piece of rope and 40 people hanging on to that piece of rope. A few weeks later, this man came back to the doctor holding the rope, taking with him 40 people who were all blind. And the doctor said, what's all this? He said, we've travelled a long way. We've come many miles. We're tired, we're hungry, but we're happy because they believe that you're going to heal them. <laughs> what a thought. They were blind, and this man who had been blind, now could see, had gone and told them, I know a man who made me to be able to see. They didn't know that. He must have been so convincing, because all of them joined on that piece of rope. They have come so that you could make to the doctor, make them see like I can see. Now, they didn't know he could see, but he must have been very convincing. I can see, he said. <laughs> and he began to describe what he could see. 
But they couldn't see. They only believed his word. Their eyes were then opened after the doctor had operated and so on. A cataract. In fact, I think you've had a cataract operation, haven't you? And Tony Wilson. Now, I know last week or the week before you asked for my glasses, but Tony doesn't wear glasses anymore. And you don't, really. So perhaps we all need cataract operations. <laughs> I don't know. I have a lazy eye. I can't see out of this eye at all. So I've only got one good eye, which is long-sighted. I can see right up the road there, but I can't read. So I put my glasses on to see. Eyesight has got to be amazing. There are three major types of blindness. There's the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. You can write that down if you like as well. Physical, mental, and spiritual. Physical blindness, it is said that in a country of the blind, a one-eyed man is king. When I was a boy, I used to plaster my... No, it was this eye, wasn't it? <laughs> I used to plaster this eye, I can't see you now. <laughs> And I used to read my Beano every three weeks when they took the plaster off. They put it on my glasses to start with. How many have had patches over your glasses and eyes? Not many of you. I used to lose my glasses, <laughs> so it didn't do me any good. So they plastered my eye. So I couldn't see a thing, and the teacher said, come up to the front, and I still couldn't jolly well see. Because <laughs> I've got a lazy eye, you see. But being able to see is an amazing thing. Physical blindness, think about it. There are hospitals and organisations who encourage, encourage people to will portions of their bodies, including their eye, for the benefit of those, especially when it comes to sight. Many people have been able to recover physical sight because of those who have donated their eyes for the blind. Now, I'm good at snooker, because I only need one eye for snooker, <laughs> but I can't see out of binoculars, so I only use one eye for binoculars. But if you've got two eyes, and you can't see God, then I'm talking to you today. Physical blindness. Then you have mental blindness. It is said that there are none so blind as those who will not see. Some people are blind mentally because they've closed their mind. I want you to look back to this little boy that I made, Sparky. We used to have a look at his mind and I used to use it for scriptures and you know, memory verses and things like that. But when I first took it out, the things that he was doing that week, and it was in his mind, and the kids went, oh, really? And then, of course, we changed his thinking. And then the next week when they came, we, we looked at it, and we found that he'd gone back to the things that he'd done the week before. So we had to rearrange, and the kids got really good at rearranging. And I had to explain it was the heart that needed to be changed. It's all well and good up here, isn't it? We all know it up here. It's when your heart is changed. So by the time six or seven weeks were up, we could change Sparky 
from his heart, having given his heart to Christ. And it was quite a, a good... Do any of you remember it? Do you remember it at camp? No? I you can remember it. Babs can't remember it at all. <laughs> anyway, I found it was very good, and it was excellent in teaching that the mind... It's not the mind, it's the heart that needs changing. People have closed their minds off. You remember in the parable of the sower, people had ears, they were dull of hearing, Jesus said, and their eyes they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and be converted. Jesus there in Matthew, was quoting from Isaiah chapter 6. Jesus is saying, like Isaiah and us as well, sometimes we, when we speak to people, we might as well be speaking to a brick wall because they say, I've made up my mind, don't confuse me with the facts. It's okay for some, but not for me. I don't want to know about God or whatever. Until a disaster happens, and then they blame God. Isn't that sad? Rather than saying, well, can you help me? Now, you all have a wonderful, glorious opportunity of knowing the presence of God, seeing God for yourself, and telling and leading others to Christ, and being able to gossip the gospel, and so on, with them because they've closed their minds. Pray that their mind will be open. And then thirdly, spiritual blindness. So that's physical, mental, now spiritual. Jesus dealt many times with the problem of spiritual blindness. He said this, that only the pure in heart shall see God. That's so important, isn't it? The heart again, in Matthew 5 and 8. He then said that a divided loyalty made it impossible for one to see clearly when he said again in Matthew chapter 6 and 24, no man can serve two masters. He will hate one and love the other or hold to one and despise the other. You can't serve both. Now that word serve should read you can't be a slave to both. You can't be a slave to two owners. You'll either be loyal to one and not the other, or vice versa. You have divided loyalty. Think about it. Think about it. Now, I want you to look. It's not, it's not coming out because I didn't ask him. I want you to look up there and see a large picture of an elephant. Can you see it? <laughs> what about me? Does, do I? Now imagine seeing an elephant. Now you all know what an elephant looks like, don't you? You know how handsome an elephant is, how big an elephant is, how majestic an elephant is. Is that right? Yes. Well, spiritual blindness can lead to distortion. Now, you, you, you've, got to, you've got to get this. Thomas, you remember Thomas? We'd already mentioned Philip and Thomas. Thomas was not there when Jesus rose from the dead and he came into their midst 
and he spoke to the other disciples, he was missing. And they all got on the phone and they rang him up and they said, Thomas, you missed it. He was there and you missed it. We'd locked the doors, we'd shut the windows and he came and stood right there and we saw him. And what did Thomas say? He said, nah, no, I don't believe it. No, he said, unless I can take my finger and put it in the hole in his hands and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's because he didn't see him. So they must have prayed for him because a week later he was there and Jesus came again and he turned to Thomas and this is the important thing. He said to Thomas, put your hand here and here and Thomas got on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. And he said, you believe because you see me. <laughs> but then he went on to say something really, really interesting. He said, blessed are they, which included us, who believe without seeing. And we see with the spiritual eyes. We know that Jesus is our saviour. We trust him not only to save us, but also to take us to heaven. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, he said. Now imagine this elephant. The first blind man, he walked up to this elephant, and my word, it was huge. And he put his hand on it, and it was rough, and it was big. And he said, you know, I'd imagine that this elephant is like a brick wall, because it's so big. The second fellow, he came up and he got hold of his leg. He put his arm around his leg, you see. And he said, well, it's a bit like a trunk of a tree. I've, I've put my arms around a few trees. That's what it feels like. And the last one got hold of the tail. And he said, whoa, this is like a bit of rope. I've felt this before. The first one thought it was a brick wall. The second one thought it was a tree trunk. The third one thought it was a piece of rope. What do you think an elephant looks like? Brick wall. What do you think it looks like? A tree trunk. Nah, now you're all wrong. It's like a piece of rope. I've never realised an elephant would look like a piece of rope, have you? <laughs> but I'd held on to it. You could also add, well, what about the trunk? Well, that was a bit like a snake. It, it kept moving. What about the tusks? Well, that was lovely and smooth. You see, each person, because they were blind, had a distorted understanding of what an elephant looked like. Those who are spiritually blind have a distorted concept of God, of self, of life, of others. I want you to pray that God will open our eyes, especially the people that you're going to see every day, to the love and grace and mercy of God. And also to see your eyes being opened to the loss, that the light of the gospel would shine into their eyes, lighting up their spiritual darkness. Amen? Blessed are those who have not seen but believe. What a thought that is. You and I, in faith, see God every day in 
and around everything that we touch and handle. And yet the people you speak to say, that, that's not God, that's not God. They have a distorted image. And you and I are the light of the world. We need to shine so that when they see us, <laughs> we'll be putting a bag over our head because of the glory or the presence or the face of God is in our lives, in our hearts, that they may see what God is really, really like. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it illuminates us. It opens to us the ability of knowing you. Now, we're not looking for you outside because you're living within us. So therefore, others should see Christ in us. If we don't know you as our Lord and Saviour, we want whatever's in our mind to now affect our hearts. We open our life before you and pray, Lord, do something in our lives that we might know you, see you, walk with you, and tell others the good news that God loves them too. Amen. Amen.